Hello my friends, welcome back, welcome back, episode 2, top left corner, the beginning. Uh, we were speaking with Dave Kyle last time and uh, we got so excited about telling stories and having a good time that it just continued to run on and run on and that's okay because now we have a part 2 to our podcast which is fantastic. Alright, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to welcome back Dave Kyle. Dave, how are you doing? Very good, my friend. Very good. And yourself? Oh, I am doing fantastic. You know what? I am ex extremely excited already because I can hear you crystal clear. <laughs> uh, I think our volumes match here. Uh, maybe, nice, nice. Maybe just maybe we're starting to figure this thing out. I tell you, we may we, we may have to go into extra sessions here just to just to explore all of it. It, it is a possibility. I would definitely <laughs> say that. Um, so uh, last time we were talking about San Diego and uh, you were discussing, uh, that, that was the first time we served together there. Uh, yes. You were talking about that. Uh, I think we talked about a trip that we went on. Uh, and uh, and I think, did we not talk about the uh, the fight? That was what it was, right? Or the almost yes. fight. That's yes. right. Well, it wasn't, yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't a fight. It was a disagreement. There you go. Disagreement. I like the way you put that. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna get into this the rest of your veteran story. Um, so uh, without further ado, here we go. I'm gonna play something. You want a story? You you want a story? I'll give you a story. All right, that's my intro for my veteran story. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, all right, Dave, what, what else you got in San Diego? Like, is there anything else that we're uh, missing on that? Well, no, I think that was pretty much it. For, I mean, that was, that was so idyllic. Everything about that was fantastic. We, you know, other than the fact that you left the band for a while, which was, you know, kind of poopy, but hey, <laughs> it was good for you. It worked out well. It did. It did, so, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was able yeah. to get then, some good uh, experience. Oh, man. Yeah. You did a good job, too, <gasps> Company Gunny, by the way. Oh, thank you. You did a good job. I, I know last time you talked about you just, you know, you felt like you were fumbling through, but, man, you did a really good job. <laughs> well, that was my, my first uh, real uh, trying to figure things out when it came to uh, big bigger Marine Corps leadership type stuff. So, and I... You know, I struggled through, like you said, I, I had some hiccups or whatever, but I, I managed and, and got through it. Uh, thanks. Now, to had you already like been you. on the drill field? No, not at that point. No, I did. I did detachment gunny, or I'm sorry, company gunny before okay. I went on the drill field. So I came back to the band as a okay. drill major for about, I'd say, six more months, something like that, before I went drill instructor. Because it seems like I remember you going off. You coming back and then going off to the drill field before I left the band. Does that does that, that seem right to you? That's accurate. Yeah, you're right. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then I got orders to go back again to the School of Music to do another stint as an instructor. Awesome. And what – what? Uh, I had first gone back to go to the uh, sound course. They sent me back to do the sound course. Okay. Because as, uh, as, as the small ensemble leader, you're supposed to do all the sound stuff. That's right. How long was that course for you? Oh, that wasn't too long. That was, uh, I think, like two months. 
two months. Okay. He sent me back. Yeah. And at that time, so, so the first time, my very first time, remember, for those who haven't been listening from home, you have to go back and listen to the first episode. But the That's first right. time I was, I went to the school of music away from my wife, her appendix ruptured and she almost died. Yeah. The second time, then the next time I go away to the school of music without taking my wife, um, yeah, that would have been the next time. The next time I went back and, uh, for the sound course and there was fires on the, on the West Coast. Oh, and yeah. And it was really bad. I mean, the smoke was coming down. It sounded like they were going to evacuate the base. They didn't. They didn't actually, I think they evacuated Pendleton, but they didn't evacuate us. Wow. And, uh, probably because we're so close to the water, you know, what do we intrude? You can go jump in. <laughs> but uh yeah, so there I am on the other side of the coast again, completely away from my wife. She's got the van packed up, you know, filling up the vehicles with gas, and they're just sitting and waiting, basically. And where am I? Nowhere to be found. Deadbeat dad. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I will say the Marine Corps has a way of uh, uh, challenging the families uh, in, in crazy <laughs> times. Yes, we often joke around that the hardest job is the Marine's wife, and by gum, that Heidi had that one, yeah. Yeah, that is for sure, And because all you were doing was having fun playing with sound stuff. Oh, and, man, uh, it was a blast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you got to, uh, I'm assuming you learned how to do live sound uh, for a band, uh, and then yep, did you yep. get into recording and things like that? Oh, yes, yeah, okay. yeah, we did the whole thing. We did it with the... Uh, we were just getting the uh, DAT, the d digital boards, but we were using the old 32-channel uh, sound boards and whatnot. And having a ball, I enjoyed it. It was a really good course. That's awesome. Um, Do you remember who you were there, like who the instructor was and who you went through with? Uh, who did I? I don't remember who I went through with. Golly, geez. The instructor was Stan Dunlap, uh, Petty Officer First Class Stan Dunlap. Okay. He was phenomenal, just phenomenal. I don't know. I think he had been sent to Yamaha, the corporation. Like they sent him to Yamaha to get a course, and the right. rest of it was just old school figuring it out as he went. But man, he could do everything. Very he, cool. you know, that's, yeah, that's the way it should and be. Then, uh, then we get. Say that again. Oh, I said that's the way it should be. They should, they should be the ones that are. Uh, oh. That, that are top-notch, right? Like, yeah, that's what you want from the schoolhouse. Oh, my, yeah. Yep. Um, so I get done with that. They send me back to the band, and the first gig was down in uh, the Oregon Pavilion. What's the Oregon Pavilion? Um, You're talking there in Balboa? Down in Balboa Park. Okay. The, the, down by the Oregon there in Balboa Park, we had a, a gig there. And I was so excited to do it that I didn't pay attention to what I was doing. And I set the speakers too close to the mics and oh. I couldn't turn the volume up and I was getting feedback. I just basically every stupid thing that we had been told not to do, I managed to do in the first gig. I, oh, you know, hey, you they got wanted more right sound away. and I would, oh yeah, I, I just laid it all out there. It was a, oh my goodness. And after that, uh, then Chief Warrant Officer Davis was like, all right, yeah, you, I think we'll use uh, Gunnery Sergeant Studer to do the next gig. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'll go and play instead. I I, I got that down better, you know. So. <laughs> and Studer was the he was doing sound for a while, wasn't he? He had done sound for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he was a drummer technically also, but he had been doing instrument repair for so long that I don't think he really drummed anymore. And then he got good at sound, and he was doing sound all the time. Right. Yeah, but he, and he uh, was good at, good instrument repair tech. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then I finally got uh, uh, orders to go back to the school as a student in the advanced course. Oh, okay. Advanced. And, yep. And when I was there, they had an opening for percussion, and I was able to just, after I got done with the, with the course, I stayed on as, as an instructor. Okay. Let, let's go back to the advanced course. So in, in that, what, what were you learning uh, there at the advanced course? It was the old EBL course. So you were learning all rehearsal techniques, how to conduct a band, how to how to start, you know, uh, score study, how to do proper score study, how to uh, write music for different ensembles. You, we were working on, you know, we would write stuff. Basically, we'd write a, take a march and either have to uh, change the instrumentation or we'd take a, a folk song and have to write it for band or whatnot. We'd have to write uh, one of them. One of the assignments was taking three folk songs and putting them together in a medley and then playing it. And then of course you'd work on that portion of it and then you'd be working on your conducting techniques also. And then you would go down and have one of the basic course bands read your music. So we could never write anything really hard because, you know, <laughs> basic course music. Um, but you know, you'd write, just, you know, whatever you yeah. could do. And uh, we, we were writing jazz band charts and concert band charts and marches oh, wow. and and then doing score study and all of those and um, taking apart different pieces of music and how to how to learn to really uh, conduct different things. Uh, who was one of that one? Farquhar. Okay. Master Gunny Farquhar. Master Sergeant. Yeah, yeah. At the time, oh, I think he was just yeah. Master Sergeant. But yeah, he he oh phenomenal conductor, phenomenal conductor. And, and you know, uh, he's still out I, there conducting. He's got the what is it, the Band of America's few. So the, a lot okay. of uh, veteran uh, Marines uh, go into or part of that organization, and they'll go around and play at different places. They've played birthday balls. They've uh, they've done and gone and done and a lot of a lot of different things. Um, so, it, but yeah, he's still out there conducting, still running stuff like that. So yeah, he's doing good for himself. He's ma he he is a master of it. He did this one exercise with us where we would conduct without using our arms. You had to just use facial expressions and to you know to because it's more than just waving the hands. You have to know. And oh my goodness! And he he would get up there and do it first. And of course the band did everything perfect because he oh. could do it. Yeah, and then you get us up there and you know <laughs> I got done and. At the time, Chief Master Chief Pash was still there. He was like the head of of uh, of our of our school, okay. and he was like, uh, "Kyle, uh, that was a clown show. Don't ever do that again. It looked like you were <laughs> passing an elephant." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so, but that was that was a good course. So, um, what is it? Uh, like out of the course, what was the most beneficial thing that you got? 
That's a good question. I, th- I think, actually, I think the most beneficial thing was the class time with the other students. Okay. I mean, you know, they were phenomenal musicians in their own right, and, and just learning to learn with them and getting to know them. Um, yeah, incredible musicians. So I, th- I think that was probably the thing I got most out of it. And then it was such a, it, it was so nice to be back in the school because everyone is, when you're in the field bands, you have so many jobs to do. You don't really, it's hard to really focus on music. Absolutely. And, and the school is just focused on music. And that was such, you know, su- such a pleasure to get back to it and, and really just, you get to really focus on yourself and how do I get better? How do I learn to do this better? You know, how do I really hone my craft and, and, and get that level of expertise in what I'm trying to do? Absolutely. So, we always, we always tell the students when they're, uh, they come through is like, this is the, one of the rare times that you get to focus on just music, like just get here, learn your craft, learn what it, whether it's a, the intermediate advanced course, basic course, whatever it is, just learn your craft. Like this is the time in your career that you get to focus on you. Uh, and and yeah. rarely in your career do you actually get to focus on you. It's usually focusing on everybody else and, and what's happening. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it, and it was, that was fantastic. And, and then learning with other people and watching how they learn and then realizing, Oh yeah. So when I run across this in the band, the next time in back in the band and they don't understand if I try saying this, maybe they might understand it better or, you know, yeah. different ways to teach. Cause that's the other thing, especially as Marines, we're always, you're always teaching someone to do something. That's I right. don't care who you are. Even if you're, even if you're the lowest PFC, you've just gotten busted down again to private. You're still teaching someone else how to, how to learn. Absolutely. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's the brand new warrant officers that come in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the you know brand new drum major who's still trying to figure out what they're doing as well. Yeah, you know, but you're always you're always trying to teach someone else. So I think I think and I was mature enough myself then at that point to really focus in on hey I need to I need to really pay attention to what what can be what what I can pull away from this to teach others. Right. Yeah, and that's that's awesome that you could uh, that you get the opportunity to focus on that. How do you teach? What what is the best ways of doing it? Because I, I I've learned that uh, as a drummer, uh, I say it one way, but a saxophone player uh, looks at it a completely different way. And there are things that a saxophone player can can tell a uh, woodwind section, for example, uh, think that because he understands it way better than I do as a drummer. Yeah. So being able to hear that, I that's definitely something beneficial yeah and uh yeah so you uh so you finished the school there you auditioned uh to be an instructor again and what what were you instructing that second second go around there i was put in charge of percussion techniques i was i became an actual drum teacher okay and i i was i was put in charge of percussion techniques to start with and um so what, and, describe, yeah. to, describe to everybody what percussion techniques is. Okay. So 
The Marine field bands have piano players and guitar players and bass players. And, but when we go, most of our jobs, we don't have, we do a lot of marching gigs. So we don't have a need for a piano player. And most guitar players don't have a chord long enough to really march along with as we're marching up and down the field. <laughs> That's right. So they get to play percussion instruments. We put them on percussion instruments. And percussion techniques was mostly a class where I would teach non-drummers how to do drumming. And then I would also take the drum, the percussionists, because the field of percussion is huge. Absolutely. I mean, every other instrument, you have just one instrument. Field of percussion, you have a multitude of instruments that require completely different techniques. And we don't have the time in the School of Music to really address them all. We expect that you're going to, when you are faced with them, you're going to learn how to do it. But my job then was to kind of try to look ahead and see what, what kind of skills people are going to need and what can I give them as a basic foundation so that when they go out there and they run into a new instrument, you know, the first time you run across the word water gong or water chime or, um, uh, um, oh, I just ran across it the other day. Uh, Slappy pants, slappy pants. Um, yeah, let's let's talk you, about it. How do you figure out? Let's talk about a few of those things. So you're saying uh, some some words. You're saying words that uh, a lot of people aren't going to understand what that is, and only only uh, percussionists uh, that've been around probably know what all those things are. But uh, you said water gong. So what what exactly is that? Well, it's so. so it, it's literally taking a gong and hitting the gong and then suspending it in water, in a big vat of water. And it produces a really cool sound. It, same thing with chimes, which the normal person would never do because it's a metal instrument. You don't generally put metal instruments in water because of rust. You know, you don't do that. But you get a really cool sound. And a lot of composers are starting to write for those weird sounds to yeah. get that different sound out. You know, uh, the slappy pants is a, uh, a set of jingles that generally you put on pants and then you play them just like you're drumming on your, on your legs, which I had never heard of before. That's an, you know, it's uh, very unique. Thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you run into the thing where um, the word tambourine, we know what a tambourine is. It's a, either a headed or a non-headed round circle with jingles on it. Right. But a tambourin is a snare drum. Okay. And so those are different things, but they look, they're spelt almost the same way. Generally, they're, you know, when you make an apostrophe out of it, it's just T-A-M-B dot, and then you have to do more research and find it, kind of figure out. <laughs> or a lot of marches do not have the old Sousa marches, the old Carl King marches, do not have a cymbal part written because the cymbal was generally played by the bass drummer who played both of them at the same time. So you have to learn how to read for cymbal, which isn't just playing what's on the paper. You have to use your ears more. And so all these concepts that are expected that we know how to do, but no one's ever bothered to tell them, hey, by the way, this is what you're supposed to do. So, you know, that's what that's what uh, that's what I was teaching. I was trying to teach both percussionists how to research and do all the weird stuff, and then all the 
non-percussionist how to play the instrument so they don't hurt themselves or hurt the instrument or, you know, damage things. And that, and from there then, you know, get into different timpani techniques and different mallet techniques and, um, you know, what the different instruments themselves are and have to set up, you know, try to figure out, okay, what is it that really you need to know in order to get out there and do the job? You know, yeah, absolutely. So, because they're going to want the bass drum loud. How do you get the loudest sound? Well, just muscle isn't the right thing. I mean, muscle is a big part of it, but you can get more sound if you did this. And so here are the cheater codes for this game. Now right. here's what yeah. the next cheater is. Yeah. So that's what that was. And then okay. from there, little by little, I started doing more because I had such a heavy mallet background. The first, so I was on the second deck, second, second floor. The first floor is where all the instrument, you know, the primary instruments were taught. So all the first deck teachers were basically teaching just drum set. And then they would send me all of the people that had needed extra help with mallets. And I would work with them on mallets or if they had anything else going on, like timpani or something like that. But my office, my office, oh, man, I had a set of five brand new Adams timpani. I had... Two, a five and a half octave marimba, a four octave marimba, two vibraphones, a xylophone, bells, uh, three or four bass drums, chimes, um, bells. I mean, I had every, basically every percussion instrument the school had, I had in my office. So, and so it really, was, it was glorious. Really, you had, um, the best office ever because not only did you have that stuff in there, uh, and you use for the students, but I'm sure you took full advantage and uh, was playing on everything all the time. There was more than one day that my wife had to call the school and say, hey, would you go up and tell him to come home now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> go up there and shake him out and send him home now. It's time. Yeah, nowadays time nowadays they just text you and say, get home. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, now, yeah, 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 back up. then, no. Send a runner. Yep. Send them up there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was also, I, you know, little by little got moved around. We, at one point, the um, instrument, the head of the instrument division retired, and they didn't have anyone. And so I agreed to fill in that position for a while. So for a while, I was actually running all the instrument okay. instructors. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's that was, a big, that's a good challenge because you're you're trying to uh, rope Marines, uh, sailors, and Army, right? Instructors. Yes. So you had all three branches of service who do speak differently and and things like that. Do think train differently a, a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And, and then you had to kind of uh, wrangle them all in and give them one way of doing business. Uh, and I'm sure, yeah. just like with with anything, you know. You, you get branches of service together and there's always going to be those little quarrels, little fights and things like that. And I'm sure you had to manage all that fun stuff as well. Yeah. And at the time the army was just, um, they were redoing their audition standards altogether. Okay. They were kind of separating out. And so, you know, for, for hours we would sit together myself and the army instructors to figure out, okay, what are we really looking for with, Percussion. What should we be focusing on? What needs to be done? What do they need? What do they not need? You know, and they changed up their, I don't know if they still do. I, I'm sure they do because it, they, we put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, 
changing their audition standards completely. Right. And yeah, a whole new system where I think it was now 30 points that you're working on. And yeah, yep. but yeah, so that was, that was, that was an interesting time. I, I, and that's, and then they were going to, so at that point I had been over, I had been in for over 20 years, just in the Marines. And, um, they were going to send me back to San Diego. So the reason they kept sending me back to San Diego is, um, I have a daughter with Down syndrome. Okay. And because of that, we were in the EFMP pro, it's called the exceptional family member program. Mm -hmm. I needed to be stationed in a base that had a major medical facility. Yeah. So there were a lot of places I could not be sent. I was not going to be sent to Albany. I wasn't going to be sent to Paris Island any anymore. Um, the only, basically the two big places I could go, um, were going to be either the School of Music or San Diego. I could right. have been sent to North, um, uh, to, uh, Quantico because of, because of its proximity to the good hospitals there. Right. But, uh, they never had an opening when I was, you know, when I was transferring. So. Yeah, I was never going to get sent to Okinawa or Hawaii, even though Hawaii had some good medical facilities. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps, and I never left. I've never left the continental United States. Wow. Which is an odd, odd thing. I put in twice to go overseas into a war position, and they said, you know, at the time, there was a big fervor about it. Like, every Marine's a rifleman. If you want to go into combat, you just let us know, and we'll get you there. Right. Yeah. And both times I put in for it, they were like, uh, you know what? We can't right now. I mean, yes, you will get the opportunity. Benny Kyle, you will get the opportunity, but right now we need you here because, you know, I'm needed here for this reason and that reason and whatnot. And right. So, which, you know, probably was a good thing. I, I probably would have gotten really excited and shot myself in the face or something. It wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been no, good. No, it all comes back. <laughs> you know, you, so. You go to the rifle range and you do all that stuff every year, and uh, you you walk in. You're always a little nervous because you're like, "Oh man, I I hope I do all right, and I hope I didn't forget anything." But it's like riding a bicycle; it comes back, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I, I suppose so. I remember. So when when I'm at the school of music, we would go to the rifle range a little bit less frequently than we should have because it was difficult to get there. Um, we were we were on the range. Um, I had limited number of Marines. So basically you're being sent over, uh, on your own TAD. Um, I get over there and I'm, uh, working with one of the fast company groups. Okay. Now, for those that don't know, fast company is, let me see, fleet anti-terrorism. S I forget what the rest of it stands for, but it's basically, um, like Marine SWAT. Right. And that, they're is the that a good way of describing it. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. They're the ones that, uh, uh, like, let's say something happens uh, in a country where an, an embassy is, and they need somebody back up or, or extra uh, extra Marines to help fortify or whatever. They'll get called for things like that as well. And uh, so they are generally really good at weapons. So we get onto the range, and uh, I think it was just pistol that time, and. You know, we do all, we, we do our firing and whatnot. I'm staff sergeant, so I'm kind of off on my own, you know. I, I mean, I'm with the group and whatnot. We get done and, um, I go back to my vehicle and I'm eating my lunch in my car and I can hear the staff sergeant with fast company just ripping them a new one. 
You let a bleeping band thing beat you on the reach. How embarrassing. Oh, you, Jesus. This is not your good day. And he just went. I always, I always scored expert on, on the rifle and pistol. I was always, you know, good, good scores there. A lot of band members were. Yeah, absolutely. Now you think about it, we had a number of them who were in the, who like were on the shooting teams because right. they were really good. Yeah. That, everyone is so. always surprised how well a bandsman can shoot. Uh, but uh, I think with the the way we practice, the way we do things, how technically we are when you play an instrument and things of that nature, it, it uh, helps whenever you're shooting a rifle. And I think that's why most uh, musicians actually end up doing really well on the rifle and pistol. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was good. That was good stuff. So you were uh, there at the school and uh, oh, yeah. got orders to San Diego again. Yep. And at this point okay. now, my daughter had been in <clears throat> four different schools in three years. And Ooh. she really needed to have a more stable environment. And it's like, geez, I don't want to go another cross-country trip. To, so without really talking to my wife too much, I decided, no, nope, this is enough. We're done. We're going to get out now. So I put in my papers for retirement and retired right there from the School of Music and came so back how, to Wisconsin. How many years total yeah. uh, service did you do? Total 25, because I started off in the Navy Reserve. Okay. It was like 20, 20 and three months in the Marines. 20 okay. years and three months in the Marines, which I had remembered, I had remembered joking as a Lance Corporal that I was going to do 20 years and two uh, 20 years in two weeks, just to make sure there were no administrative mistakes. So, <laughs> you went, you're overachiever. You went two months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so <clears throat> oh, there's awesome. one more story. Okay, I have to yeah. tell you one embarrassing story. Oh, God, we, we got time for him. We, we can definitely oh, do geez. embarrassing. Yeah, let's do that. And as I, as I, after I've said this now, I'm thinking to myself, I really don't want to tell the story. This is embarrassing. No, you know what? Those are the best stories. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like it. And I especially like it when it's somebody else and not me. So, yeah, go ahead and tell your story. Okay. All right. So I'm at the School of Music. And at this time, this was my first time at the School of Music as an instructor. Okay. And I am up in the Learning Resource Center. And I would get in there in the morning. And I didn't have any students come in right away because they had P, PT and whatnot. So I would get on there. And I was practicing my Russian. I, I had great hopes of getting, taking the Russian test and being, you know, well enough to be a, a translator or something, get, get at least certified. So I would read the Russian newspapers. Okay. In Russian uh, on the computer. Now, military computers are very uh, monitored. We oh, make sure yeah. that nothing, nothing happens wrong. That's right. So there I am reading my Russian newspaper in the morning. And George W. Bush is the president. And so there's a little thing down on the bottom that says Bush. And so I click on it thinking it's going to take me to like a story about George Bush, which will be a little bit easier to read because I know about him. Yeah. Well, it turns out that Bush also means um, female anatomy. <laughs> so now I'm on this porn site in Russian. <laughs> And the pop-ups are clicking up left, and I can't shut them down fast enough. And I'm <laughs> starting to sweat because I'm on a government computer. 
on base. I mean, this is not going to go well. You get in big trouble for this. Absolutely. I'm clicking off as much fast. I'm trying to shut everything down. I see the word exit. Okay. Literally says exit. I think, okay, I'll click there. Okay. That's what the word said was exit. But what it meant was coming out of the closet. <laughs> now I'm on a Russian gay porn site. Oh, no. <laughs> I am pooping the proverbial purple thumbtacks at this point because this is not. I see my career going up. I, you know, I wonder what the inside of a jail cell looks like when you're in the military. <laughs> I finally, I, I, I finally managed to shut down the whole system and I'm getting up to go and talk to the IT guy because I, I, I got some serious explaining to do. Right. I, I open up the door and there he's standing like, oh, it's you. Now, luckily, the base is kind of small and we were very active in our church there and, and he was active in the church and he knew, you know, he knew what, what I was like and who I was as a person. He's like, boy, if it was anybody else, I thought I for sure I was going to have to fill out this paperwork today. <laughs> and I started telling him the story and he's rolling on the floor laughing. He's snorting. He's laughing so hard. He's like, Damn, boy, if it was anybody else. <laughs> yeah. That is a well, good story. Well, not my best story, but I tell you what, I learned from that not to read Russian newspapers <laughs> on, on the, the government, government computer. <laughs> <laughs> nope, don't do that again. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. at least you learned from your lesson. And <laughs> <laughs> that I did, yes. It didn't hinder you in your career. You still made it, so that's, that's yep. good. <laughs> I finally did go back. At one point, I did take the test. <laughs> I did absolutely. I did about as abysmally as I did reading the Russian newspapers. I got a zero, <laughs> zero plus. <laughs> for, it's like, oh, geez, why did I even bother? That was that was embarrassing. But you know, hey, I'm still working on it. So at some can point, you, I will learn how to speak Russian. Yeah, can you speak Russian now? Da ochen, ochen, ochen ploha. Okay. What's that? Yeah, you I speak very, very poorly. <laughs> I, I, I can speak Russian, you know. I, I, I still try to watch some Russian TV, and that, now that they've gone and done the thing with Ukraine, it's getting harder to even find it. But, right. um, yeah, I, I still try to do that, and you know, I, I've got a couple of Russian websites that I work on, uh, Russian language websites that I work on, because I'm not just going to a Russian website anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. no. So lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So let's get back to it. So I had retired from the military. Came back. We moved back to oh, Wisconsin. Hey, we came back here. Hey, hey, hey! Rewind. Yes. Did you have a retirement ceremony or what? What happened? Yes, there? I did. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so talk, talk to me about the retirement ceremony. How did that go? How did the family like it? What What was that like for you? Um. It's a bit of a blur in the memory. Uh, it was it was fantastic. Um, you know, they gave me a drum head. Uh, they gave me some drumsticks. I mean, it was it was really nice. Um, I had been working on my retirement speech basically since I was a lance corporal. <laughs> no because, you know, you pull something. Well, stop and think about all the retirement ceremonies that we've had to play in. That's true. Over the yeah. years. And... You know, at one point I was I was including and I had been writing this down. I mean, literally, I had been working on this. I had been writing down because when they say something, you know, sometimes you hear it and it's like, oh, 
that's really good. I got to remember that quote from Socrates. I'm going to use that. Right. Or, hey, that part from Shakespeare, that worked really well. So I had like 40 some pages of stuff written down that I was, you know, at one point, you know, because especially in the middle of summertime when you're standing in full blues and it's hotter than, you know, the second concentric circle of hell as Dante <laughs> described it. And you're just, you're dying. I was thinking, yep. For my retirement ceremony, all I'm going to do is walk up on stage, flipping the finger, and walk off. You know, I had, <laughs> I had, I had the whole, you know, so I had this whole long thing, and about a week before, I had been working on it, and you know, trying to whittle it down and whittle it down, and about two days before, I couldn't find my speech anywhere. Oh no, nowhere. And to this day, I don't know what whatever happened to it. And uh, so I, I made that comment in my speeches. I said. You know, I've been working on this speech now for a better part of 20 years. First time that I had been standing out on a retirement deck and listening to the trombone player of a, of the, I think he was a major at the time, retiring, and he started talking. And about 45 minutes later, he still was talking. And I thought, well, that's, I got to do something better. So I've been working on this for a long time. I cannot find it anywhere. So I'm just going to have to try to remember what I said. And my wife turned around and said, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> I thought she was just joking at the time, and I'm pretty sure she was, but it is kind of odd, isn't it, how I couldn't find that speech. It, it seemed to uh, be perfect timing. So Yeah, it's a little little coincidental, isn't it? <laughs> she may have some explaining to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a nice ceremony, yeah. Okay, good, good. So. All right, and then, yeah, all right, so you, you've, you've, Finally ended the career, and you're going, you went back to Wisconsin, is that what you said? Yep, yep, we came back to Wisconsin. We were just going to land here for a bit. I had put out um, job interviews, I had put out applications everywhere. We were thinking maybe we'd live in Seattle. You know, the world was an oyster. We were going to open it, all, open it all up. Yeah. Maybe Ireland, we were thinking about Ireland or Canada or, I mean, you know, everywhere. So we were only going to land here for a little bit. And, um, boy, those roots grew fast, <laughs> you know, and, uh, turned around and then, then her parents ended up getting sick. And so we stayed here to help out with that. And, right. you know, and then you turn around and pretty soon you've bought a house and, you know, you're involved in the local bands and you're, you're playing music everywhere. And yeah, so we just never left. We stayed here and have fallen in love with it. It's a small little community. It's it's an odd community in the fact that there is it's not really a performing arts area. It's small rural Wisconsin. 15,000 people in the city. There's a Polytech University, Wisconsin uh, University of Wisconsin Stout, which is more of a Polytech school. It doesn't have a music program. Okay. Um, they finally added a music minor just because they do a lot of computer stuff and so this oh, way yeah. they can learn how to add music and different things with music into the computer programming and games that they do but nothing like that and yet it has three different um performing arts uh theater groups it's got uh one of the oldest bands in community bands in wisconsin playing summer concerts all year long nice. we've got you know we'll do we'll my wife and i stay busy playing music pretty much all year round and, you that know, is awesome. We don't make any money at it because it's a small town, rural Wisconsin. You don't right. do that for money here. So, so at least you're still I playing. stayed. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. I generally will spend on a normal day. I will spend about 40 minutes downstairs in my basement, either playing vibes or drum set or snare drum. Or uh, my wife got me a ukulele one year for Christmas. And I've been, I play around on that. I've got a kalimba, which is a thumb piano. Oh yeah. Um, okay. I've got uh uh, concertina, that's a fun instrument. I uh, play around on that. My son got me a, a lyre harp, so I play on that. And I'll st- sit down there. Again, she'll call up to me, Dave, get your butt up here. It's time to do this or that. And, you know, <laughs> I'll, I get lost in time down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's how you know you still love it. If you can get lost in time, oh, yes. and just lose it and, and continue playing. And that's that's how you know that's it. That's your thing, you know. Yeah, I'll still challenge myself. I try to get um, try to get my scales down even faster. At one nice. point, my goal was to play all thirty six, well, forty eight scales, uh-huh. all forty eight scales in less than five minutes, start oh, to finish. Wow. Just play all of them all, ping, 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 get them all forty eight done. Well, that I got done pretty easy. So then I was going to try to get into all the modes. Well, now you're talking about one hundred and twenty eight scales. That's a lot of scales. Yeah, it is. And you're basically just repeating the same scale over and over again, you know, mm-hmm. all the different modes. I mean, so for those that don't know, if you start on do and end on do, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, that's, that's one mode of the scale. Now, if you start on re, the second note, and go up to the re, re, fa, la, to, so, da, uh, I can't even do it now, but go up there, that's another mode. You know, that's another mode. So you have the Ionian mode, the Dorian mode, the Phrygian mode, the Lydian mode, the mix, all these different modes. And they're basically just the same scale, but you're starting on a different note in the scale each time. So I was trying to get through all of those. Well, that's just a lot of scales. And, you know, so then I try to do other things. I'll take a lick that you hear, you know, that, 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 that. I'll try to play it as quickly as I can in all the keys. Right. Or try to go around the circle of fifths or something like that. Just, Screwing around, I'll set little different goals for myself and like that. But yeah, that's awesome. So that's you know that's good. So I stayed actually like fully retired for about about three months. Okay. And I drove everyone in the house absolutely batty. I just I guess I wasn't ready to retire yet. I was I was making three square meals a day from scratch. Um, you know, cleaning cleaning one quarter of the house every day, and then. Uh, it got to the point where I was basically raking leaves with a catcher's mitt, waiting for them to fall so I could catch them and take them <laughs> off the property. And my wife looked at me and said, look, I love you, but you've got to get a job. We don't need the money, but you got to get a job. <laughs> so I put my applications out there, and I worked for Coca-Cola for a while as a distributor. I was a Coke dealer. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. And Yeah, and uh, did that for a while until I hurt my knee. And then I got a job in the police department, uh, University of Wisconsin Stout Police Department as office manager. Okay. I did that for a little while, and then uh, that that was too that was too sedate. I wasn't moving enough. Yeah. Going from the coke, you know, coke cellar where you're literally moving cases Constantly. of coke every day. Yeah. Down, but I did had no responsibility. I was not responsible for any person whatsoever. All I had to do was make sure I was in the right place, right uniform, which was a beautiful change after being, you know, oh yeah, as my first job afterwards, just being responsible for myself. That was that was nice. And then uh, then I was the office manager, but that was too sedate. And then I got a then I was I worked as an off in an office for a title and abstract company for a while, and okay. 
then I got a job as a custodian and that that's kind of where I'm, I'm it's a good it's a good gig first of all the Marine Corps taught me how to clean I can <laughs> clean that's for sure that's that's something everybody can relate to there oh yeah and you want to you want to clean toilet boy I'm the man to call I can clean your <laughs> toilet years of experience yes and I still help out quite a bit with the music programs you know I I'll go in and play for them or I've, I've gone around to the elementary schools and played Christmas, you know, I'll, I'll bring in four or five of the instruments and play different songs and explain different styles and different techniques and stuff. And matter of fact, just today, um, I was moving pianos from one room to another and the band teacher came over and said, Oh, 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 Dave, you're here. Come over here. <laughs> he needed me to show, uh, the different techniques for four mallets, oh, basically yeah, yeah. three different techniques for four mallets. So, I was giving a master class, you know, while okay. I was while I was doing that on how to do do the different mallets. So, yeah, so it's it's a good life. Well, that's awesome. Um, so let's uh, let's take a uh, a quick little advertisement break here, uh, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna start talking um, a little bit about the lost arts. Uh, but yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to this uh, advertisement real quick. Are you in the Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area and looking for a fun, family-friendly musical act? Then you are in luck. Poncho Music is an experienced musician and entertainer performing country music favorites of yesterday and today. Poncho, a United States Marine Corps veteran, performs in the Hampton Roads area right here in Virginia. Come on out to listen to great music and have family fun. You can find a listing of upcoming events on Facebook. Type in Poncho Music. That's P A N C H O M U S I C. Like and follow. Support your local veteran. Poncho Music, performing in the Hampton Roads area. In a world where digital technology has taken over, the art of storytelling is quickly being lost. But there is one place where the tradition of storytelling still thrives. The Lost Art of Fishing Stories is a collection of one fly fisherman's incredible tales. These stories are sure to capture the heart of readers of all ages. In a time when we are more connected than ever before, The Lost Art of Fishing Stories is a reminder of the importance of sharing stories and connecting with each other on human level. Pick up a copy wherever books are sold. The Lost Art of Fishing Stories, written by Andrew J. Cox. Illustrations by Oni Virginia Bailey. All right, and we're back. All right, Dave. So uh, the lost art, right? So uh, I, this is something that I uh, I started thinking about because uh, I was fly fishing. Uh, of course, I wrote a book about it, fly fishing, and all my crazy adventures and stuff like that. But um, I, I started thinking about what the, the lost arts, like what are things that get lost uh, and not really passed down in the next generation. Uh, I, I always use as an easy example is uh, changing a car tire. Uh, I don't know how many people, how many adults nowadays have no clue how to do that. Uh, and that's just one lost art. So uh, what do you see uh, from your end? Like, what are some lost arts that you see? Yeah, changing a tire is a good one. Reading a map. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's a good one. Um, I think I think it's Jeff Foxworthy talks about um, teaching his daughter the first time how to pump gas and the pumping gas thing completely threw her. She couldn't get that at all. 
But when it came to paying, she had no problems with that. And he was like, oh, he was sure that that was going to be the part that threw, you know. Yeah. But like like we had talked about last time too, some of this is is just life, the way the way it changes, uh, which is both sad and invigorating. You know, we're losing all these really cool things that we used to do. Growing your old vegetables, for crying out loud, that's almost becoming, you know, number of people that have their own garden seems to be on the decline. That's That's got to be, you know. I, I think my girls actually think that vegetables – and fruits uh, is just something that uh, is in the grocery store. It, it, it just magically appears. And uh, and so so my wife has kind of started a little garden in the back and, and was teaching the girls how to how to do all that stuff. But but it's funny how that it just becomes normal. That's that's what they see in the grocery store. Yep. And I think you just hit on the, the biggest one that I was I, that I caught myself a lot thinking about. The art of being a family. Oh man, you hit that right on the head. You know, yeah. we don't even, we just overlook it. You don't even think about it. But, you know, stopping and, and, and doing things together as a family, not, not being forced to sit with each other in the car and going someplace else so that you can go in eight different directions. Absolutely. No, I'm talking about actually doing something. If it, even if it's just playing a game as a family. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just, How just, often? Sorry, just yesterday I was uh, playing old maid uh, with the girls sitting sitting on the floor or whatever, playing old maid. Uh, probably played three or four rounds with them, uh, and you know old the old board games. I, I taught them oh. uh, recently how to play chess. Uh, yes. Surprisingly, they picked it up incredibly fast. So that was it was really cool to see. Yeah, and there are some really good games. We've uh, we got started with uh, Megan with the Ticket to Ride. Oh, and it's it c- connects you know basically eighteen uh, hundreds building trains across the United States. Right, and so you get a bit of a geography lesson in it as well. And yeah, just really cool. just spending time with family and doing family things, not eating together where everyone's on their own personal device, right, or even watching TV, which is. <laughs> almost becoming it's because no one can just sit and watch TV. They've got their phone or their iPad or their something, you know, even as they're watching TV, they're flicking around on something else there. Yeah. But yeah, just, just the art of being a family, which yeah. sounds silly. And you're going to hear, Oh, our family's not like that. Really? Stop and think about it. How often do you sit down to all together? And maybe you do and more power to you if you do. Absolutely. But I, from where I sit, from what I see, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's not something you see normally out in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I, I find myself, uh, especially, you know, you got Facebook, you got all these other things and you could connect with people, whatever. Uh, and I'll find myself on the phone and I, sometimes I'm like not even paying attention to what's going on around me. That's bad on me. I shouldn't do that. Uh, but, uh, many times the wife will be talking to me and I'll be zoned out, uh, I also have hearing aids, so like if I'm playing a video or something, it just plays in my hearing aids, so I'm the only one that hears right. it. Uh, so she'll try to talk to me, and I'm like, "Oh, wait!" And I have to pause it, and I'm like, "What'd you say?" And you know, instead of just being in the moment with the family, either watching a show or eating or whatever, I find myself uh, doing the same same thing. Yeah, that's that's, and I think the the thing I love about it is the whole the art, the lost art of fly fishing. You, you're really focusing on that, that whole 
just yeah. being in the present, being, being there, whatever yeah. you're doing, you know, you can peruse the past, you can predict the future, but you've really got to live in the moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think living in the moment is definitely lost, uh, on a lot of people. Uh, oh yeah. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta love it. You gotta enjoy it. Uh, the good times, the bad times, you know, uh, obviously when you're going through bad times, it's not fun. Uh, but you got to look at it like, you know, maybe later it's a good story or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you learn something from it and, and are able to not be in that situation again in the future because you learned it. Uh, yep. so something positive coming out of it. And it really come, comes down to the attitude on that. Even if there's nothing positive in it, at least you've had it. And now, you know, when you're not having it. True. Yeah. You know, you know, cause if all, if everything's peachy keen all the time, you don't know what's good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. At least when you have a bad moment, you can go, oh, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Which, again, <laughs> sounds so obvious and stupid, but I really think that's almost being lost. We, we forget how to just experience bad. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, – I I've always think back uh, to uh, getting my butt chewed and uh, how in the moment it doesn't feel good. You know, uh, and I remember getting my butt chewed as a as a gunny, uh, and I'm talking. It was probably the most glorious butt chewing I've ever gotten, and uh, I walked out of there in amazement at how good it was. Right, and I called my wife. I'm like, "Babe, you won't believe this. I just got my butt chewed out. It was the best butt chewing I've ever seen. I, I hope I can do that." And da da da. Uh, so I was totally looking at it just in awe at what was going on. Uh, now I did learn my lesson uh, <laughs> and I moved on from it. Uh, but you know, you got to live in that moment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, I, that's, that's, those are, I, I really, I, I appreciate what you're doing. The whole idea of even just looking at what are we losing? What, what are we, what's falling off the radar? Cause there's too much crap coming at us at once. Oh yeah. That's a wonderful, you are doing a service, my friend. You are doing a real service. Well, I, I you know, I, I trying to do my best and, and keep things alive if I can and uh, pass it on to the next generation. Hopefully uh, we'll see if the next generation listens to my podcast. But, hey, you know, <laughs> it's OK. Well, you've also got a book. I mean, they can read the book. That's true. You know. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I would say that uh, for me as as we like as i go around and i and i look at the young young generation and what they got going on uh it is amazing to me how much that i have to help them through even the the most basic of things just because they they never learned it uh one yeah. of those things uh, is marines get in the marine corps they join up and they don't they don't know how to drive and don't even have a driver's license and for me, that's like unheard of. I, I couldn't even believe that somebody didn't have a driver's license. I mean, how do you live life without a driver's license? Yeah. Uh, you know, that was one of the things that I learned when I was real young. I was probably, you know, maybe 13 driving around town in my dad's van, even though I wasn't yeah. supposed to. Uh, but there I was. Uh, so I learned very young uh, about driving. Well, I know you had to deal with this as a company gunny, but I remember even in the band field having to teach Lance Corporals how to work a checkbook. Oh, yeah. 
you know, I mean, now, now they don't do it at all. But I mean, you know, yeah, just because you got checks doesn't mean you got money. That's right. We need to keep track of that, you know. And we all learned that the hard way. Oh, yes. Yes. Some of us many times. Sometimes you got to float that check on a Friday, you know, (laughs) uh, hoping that the money makes it there uh, in time so you don't get that extra fee on top of it. Oh, yes. And all the young guys yeah. listening right now, they're going, what are they talking about? What are they ta- yeah, float. Yeah. What do you mean float? How do you <laughs> – I, I thought we were talking about money, not swimming. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's for a whole young... experience you'll never have to deal with. That's right. That's right. Uh, for you young guys, floating a check means that you don't have any money in your account, but you're going to write this check because it takes a couple of days for it to make it to the bank. Or at least you hope it takes a couple of days to make it to the bank where they're going to withdraw that money. Uh, and you hopefully yeah. by that time, you know, you will have gotten a paycheck to put in there. Yeah, that's. You know, one of the one of the things that uh, talking about driving, um, uh, driving a stick shift. How many cars yeah. do you see nowadays that have a stick shift? You can't hardly, when I bought my new car, I, I specifically wanted a stick shift. You yeah. can't even get them anymore. Yeah, it depends on what, <laughs> what company. Like, I know Mini Cooper, uh, up until the last, I want to say it was the last, like, five years, they stopped doing stick shifts altogether. Uh, and, but before that, you could get a stick shift. So I have a Mini Cooper with a stick shift, and it, that thing's a blast to drive. That's like your personal go-kart driving around. Yep. And then my, my last Jeep, car my Jeep has a stick has shift. As well. And now you have to you have to really kind of focus. You can, you know it used to be if you had a pickup you basically knew you were going to have a stick shift. Now yeah. you have to special order and you can't even get it in some pickups. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is absolutely yeah. astounding to me. Yeah, there are going to be kids who don't know how to use a manual. Tra- yeah, which is why when I had my my last car, the stick shift. I never worried about locking it up. I didn't worry about. <laughs> didn't worry right. about you know. You, you I could say probably that. left it sit in the street with my keys in it, but I, I never left the keys in it. But I mean, you know, no one could drive it. Yeah, I relate to that one hundred percent. Especially, I live on base, uh, so it's it's fairly secure here. Uh, I work on another base, so it's secure there. Uh, I don't go out in town a whole lot, so I I literally leave my keys in the car or in the jeep. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody wanted it, they could take it, you know, yeah. we, we have some neighbors and, and they were, uh, needing some help for, for a car. And we we're like, yeah, just take the car. The keys are in it. It's no big deal. <laughs> and they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's unlocked. Yeah. Keys are in it. Go ahead. <laughs> and now out in town, I will take the keys out of it. Uh, I don't necessarily always lock my door, even in the Jeep. It doesn't matter anyways. It, you could steal anything out of a Jeep and just roll right. away. So. But I, did you grow up that way? Like, so when you were young, uh, for me, uh, we never took the keys out of the car. Like, it just stayed there. Uh, we never locked our house uh, yep. growing up. Never. Uh, no, nope, we didn't either. We were living kind of in a rural area. Yeah. So we never locked it. I think my parents took the keys out of the car just because um, we had, it was three young boys. And so we would do stupid things. Yeah. But I remember we had a we had a like a '68 Plymouth Fury station wagon. Nice, yes. And and that's what I learned to drive on three on the tree. Uh huh. Um, and but I remember being younger, and we would play 
we would have one kid sit in it and the other two would push it, put it in neutral and we'd just push it. You know, we had a long driveway and push it to the end of the driveway. And the next kid got to sit in and drive yeah. and push it back, <laughs> get it all the way up to maybe three miles an hour. But we were having a ball. Yeah, yeah. That's how dumb we were. <laughs> <laughs> that was our idea of fun. <laughs> Uh, my, it's a 14 the, foot vehicle down the driveway. The, <clears throat> excuse me. Things have definitely changed. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, uh, like, just going outside and playing, right? Yes. Like, as a kid, you couldn't, like, you couldn't get me inside most of the time. Like, I remember that so many times as I leave, like, I wake up, get some breakfast, and I leave. I'm gone the rest of the day. Uh, I was outside, like you were like, riding bikes. We were playing, you know, yep. playing army uh, out, out yep. in the woods with BB guns shooting at each other. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, all the things you weren't supposed to do. Playing with firecrackers because we'd save them, you know. Uh, and so you'd have firecracker fights. Not, I don't recommend. Yep. Uh, but you know, we did that back then. Uh, we walked the the um, the train tracks. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, the challenge was to go over a bridge. Uh, walking uh, again, I don't recommend that. Um, uh, but that's what we did for fun, you know. Uh, I'm sure you did very similar type of activities. I think you just hit on one of the major lost arts: the lost art of being a kid. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I, I think you did. I think you just nailed it in one, my friend. Yeah, like we all those things, you know, and we would. You wouldn't come back until you had to be back inside before the streetlights came on. Yeah. Or is very shortly afterwards. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have cell phones. That's right. If, the, if your mom or dad needed to get you, either they bellowed until you heard them and came home, <laughs> or maybe they called a friend, you know, the That's friend's right. mom, and then they, that mom would come outside and bellow until one of us heard them. And, yeah, you know. absolutely. I remember I would tell them like a, a basic gist of where I was going, like I'm going over to yep. so-and-so's house or whatever. Uh, but that doesn't mean we stayed at their house, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and you remember back in, back then as, uh, how did you, how did you find out where people were? Right. Uh, so if I was riding my bike around and, uh, I pulled up, you know, or went by somebody's house, if all the bikes were parked out front, that's where everybody was. Yes. Yep. So that's, that's yep. how you knew. Um, if they weren't there, you had to go to your next friend's house and hope that they were yep. there. Uh, you just keep driving around until you find where all the bikes are. That's right. That's right. Yep. Or you have to do something on your own. You know, you have to yep. figure it out. <clears throat> that, oh, and those were some of the best days I had where I just, you know, couldn't find anybody else. So yeah, go off into the woods and make my own little fort, you know, try to build a little fort or something. Or Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that was I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing stuff like that. Uh, I try to I try to get my girls to do do that. They, to be honest, they actually have a really good imagination. Uh and I think part of the imagination part of it for them was because they grew up with tablets. They grew up with the internet and all this stuff, right? Um, yep. They would literally sit and watch videos of other kids playing. So it'd be a kid, you know, being a recording and he's playing uh, with uh, uh, figurines or little little things like that and, and, and just having a ball, like making up stories and, and different things, they would sit and just watch it over and over and over. And because of that, we got it. We, we would get them the same type of stuff. Right. And they would sit for hours 
and just make up these big long stories like they would have like fights between the wolves and the the tigers and and yep. absolutely crazy things and so i'm glad that they you know their imagination uh is definitely still there still in the young people's uh heart i think uh we yeah. just got to get them away from the tablets and outside more often yes yeah tablets are an incredible tool but they have to be used as as a tool yeah yeah they absolutely. can't replace everything yeah i All remember right. walking past my son sitting on the floor one day uh-huh and he's got his little i think it was a pickup truck matchbox okay that had the doors that could open you know Oh yeah, and he's laying on the floor looking at the pickup truck, and I thought maybe he had gotten hurt or something. And I'm like, Christopher, what, what are you doing? Well, I'm just imagining what it would be like inside the pickup truck. Holy <laughs> crap! That's, that's awesome. really good. Not uh, demented, but that's really good. That's my boy. That's my boy. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so I thought, I, I, to be honest, this podcast, uh, you know, I, I was trying to find a way because I want veterans to be able to tell their story because that is one of the things that's getting lost. Uh, and it, it is hard to relate to uh, your family, especially if they're, they're not veterans or whatever in the family. And, and you, don't, you don't really tell those stories, right? And that's kind of why I, I started this. Like, what, what, is, what was your career? What, why you were in? What was good? What was bad? Uh, you know, what types of things would you like people to know? Uh, so with that, like, as you look back over your career, you know, you've told us some stories uh, and, and we've kind of learned where you went, and what you did. What are some things that that you would want to pass on uh, to that next generation when you're talking about uh, being in the military, being in the Marine Corps for you specifically? But uh, what were the lessons learned? What were the things that you would want to be uh, want to pass on for? Um, I think the thing I would want to pass on the most is to just be in be in the moment. Take stock of where you are and how it affects everyone around you. When I retired, I did not talk to my wife enough about the retirement. And it, it hit her way harder than it hit me. Right. Being retired was much harder on her. You know. So those you know, just just to be aware of it. That's that's because you know, when you, I think when everybody starts you don't start. You don't start in the military and think, "Oh, I'm only going to do four years and get out." I don't think anybody does. Maybe they say that, but everyone thinks, "Oh, I could do this forever." And then after the first four, it's like, "I do. I don't like being told what to do all the time, or I don't like this or that." But it doesn't stay like that, you know. And it is a wonderful. I, it's it's a fantastic experience. I mean, it's it's one of the safest ways to grow up. I think that's left. Yeah. Getting into the military. You you grow up, you learn, you know, about yourself and about little things like laundry and little things like other people. Yeah. How to relate to people you don't like when you have to because they're your roommate. Yes. Absolutely. You know. Close quarters being being right there and it's somebody yeah. that you have zero in common with. Uh yep. you know, uh but being able to eventually uh relate to one another and and potentially become great friends yeah, uh, oh yeah so you, you know i i look back there's there's guys that i had zero in common that grow up in the city i grew up in the country like you know at complete and total opposites uh but we get together and we gel 
you know, and, and yep. it works. Uh, and that's one of the great things about the military, in my opinion, is is how we can um, come together and make things work. Yeah. Yep. To look past the little differences, because really they are all little differences. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. There's way more that 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 makes us dissimilar than there is that makes us different. So absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's one of the one of the things that I love like the most and uh you know i'm not officially retired yet uh but that is one of the things i'm gonna miss uh you know having that camaraderie uh with like with you right that it's yep. somebody literally a person next to you uh and you know as i retire and i move on i'm not always gonna have that now i'll always have phone i'll always have be able to call somebody and, and things like that and i do pretty decent at trying to keep up with folks not fantastic but I do okay, uh, but I'm definitely definitely going to miss that aspect of things. And yeah, I, I, you've been retired uh, now for a while. You know, I'm sure that you've seen the same type of things. Yes, yes, yeah. It's it's yeah. That's it's the people, man. People are just incredible. Yeah, infuriating sometimes, <laughs> but incredible. You know, yeah. and and and. Stopping and thinking back over, you know, as 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 we've sat together now, and I've told these stories, thinking back over all the people and some that I I, I kick myself very hard that I didn't make more of an effort to stay in contact with, and I don't even know how to establish contact with them now, you know. Yeah. And others, you know, have moved on, and it's like, okay, yeah, I I learned a lot from that person, and I hope they're doing well, but I don't necessarily need to see them right now, and yeah. <laughs> That's, so that's yeah, uh, well, I'd, I'd like I'd take this moment there to to plug those veterans groups, right? Uh, yes. So the VFW, you know, if you've been in combat, you know, go join the VFW. That's especially for the young guys, uh, because really in the VFW, from what I've seen, is really the really much older uh, gentlemen that are in it. Uh, but they need that young blood. They need those young guys to come in. There's the Marine Corps League. Yep. Um, the American Legion. American Legion, that's right. Uh, yep. You know, all of those organizations are there, and and typically in your area, wherever you are, there is some organization that you could go to and and build that camaraderie and have that camaraderie again. Um, and, and I highly encourage people to go out and do that. Oh yeah, yeah. If it's because we are, we have these shared. Uh, experiences, even if they're not the same, they're shared experiences. You'll always be able to relate to another person, you know, in the military. Yeah. And that, that camaraderie, sometimes that's what you need to help just, just pull you back from the edge a bit, you know, just, hey, that's right. We made it through boot camp. We, <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. nothing. We made that's it through right. boot camp. We can make it through this. You know, we, we've been in combat together. We can make it through. This is nothing. This is, yeah. You know, that that sense of perspective, yeah. And if there isn't a veterans group in your area, start one. Why not? Absolutely, yeah. You know, right. get together well. with a couple other guys, even if they're a different service. You know, mm -hmm. especially start, start. if you're a different service. Yeah, go you know? out. Just just go to the go to the diff, uh, local areas or whatever, and and just say, hey, is anybody a veteran? And hey, you want to get together? And that's that's how it starts. You know, it starts with yep. one or two guys. Uh, or gals, and uh, and then all of a sudden, bam! There you are. You got a group. 
Uh, yep. Maybe you start the next uh, Marine Corps League uh, chapter somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. Any, anything's Generally, possible. you find them at the bar because, you know, that's how the Marines got started. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> at the bar, you, wherever, you know. Yeah, if you're going to if you're gonna uh, have something uh, that you're going to start at the bar is, uh, you know, it makes sense for Marines. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's just the way we roll, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's really through the gauntlet down because all the other services are saying, oh, no, that's the way we do. <laughs> so, yep. Very we just nice. got three quarters of the retired military population drunk tonight just from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, watch this. <laughs> all right. Let me take another little break here to do a commercial and then uh, or an advertisement, excuse me. Uh, and then we're going to get into some question and answer stuff some, from some uh, listeners that have sent some stuff in. So uh, let me let me get into this real quick. We'll be right back. Do you like both types of music, country and western? You're in luck. A.J. Cox, country and western performer, is performing in the Hampton Roads area. Follow on Facebook at A.J. Cox, country and western performer. Like and follow, and be on the lookout for upcoming performances. Questions, 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 answers, 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 answers. All right, we're back. We're back. Uh, all right, Dave, do you like my intro on that one? I love it, man. I love it, <laughs> especially when you're playing guitar. That's fantastic. <laughs> You are way more talented than I am. I cannot play guitar. That's one. That's two too many strings on there for me. <laughs> Ukulele I can handle, but that's that. You had that sixth string, and I can't. My pinky uh, yeah. doesn't do that. I'm. I can only strum. That is. That is what I can do, and I can sing uh, country and western tunes because they're typically a little easier uh, to do. So that's what I can do. Nice. Uh, nice. All right. So let's get into some of these questions. Um, so uh, let's see, question number one here. Um, how do you balance work and home life? Uh, that's that's a fantastic question. Um, poorly. I do it poorly. <laughs> poorly. Okay, so you can give examples of what not to do. So Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm all up in that. Okay, okay. So what 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 advice would you have for these uh, these young motivators? I think I think you just have to communicate. You need to you you know because you get home from work at the end of the day and you feel like you've got a whole lot of stuff to do and your spouse hasn't been at work all day or, you know, has had their own job and, you know, you just got to talk to each other and figure out what you're doing, where you're going. Remember the reason that you got together in the first place. And, you know, that's, I, I, I was, I was always, I have always, required my wife to kind of tap me on the head and say, Hey, 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 idiot, you're home now. You know, right. now, now you're done. You're done with the day. We let you play with them for 10 hours today. That's enough. <laughs> you come home now and do home stuff. That's right. You know, <clears throat> this family requires all of us and you're part of that all. So get in your, get your butt in here and let's do some family stuff. Yeah, my wife, she gets on me too. Uh, and it, it is hard. It's hard to balance that that work and home life, especially in the military. Uh, yes. You know, we always say you're a Marine 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Um, and, and you, that's correct. You are, yes. uh, uh, but you have to carve out time. Uh, even if you're in like, you know, you're, say you're a platoon sergeant or something like that, right. Where you have to answer the call, you know, a a good majority of the time. Nowadays it's a little easier because you got text. Like, is it important? Is it not important? You can look at it and figure that out. Uh, but still you're having to pull it out and look. Um, so you know, that it makes it a little bit more difficult. Uh, I know back when we were coming through, we didn't have the cell phones. So, you know, if you received a phone call from somebody, it was important, like 100%. Yeah. Nowadays, not so much. Uh, they may just have a question because, you know, we're in the day and age where we want answers right away. Uh, and that's not right. gonna, not always going to work. Uh, but you have to be able to turn that off from time to time. You have to let your, your Marines know, hey, tonight I'm doing whatever, you know, with the family. So from this time to this time, I'm not going to be available. So unless yep. like your arm fell off or something, don't call, you know, <laughs> and uh, even if it did, yeah, even if it did, call somebody friend, else. Help the friend help you with you, you know, <laughs> but you know that, and that's, that's very important, but to carve out that time with the family and, and actually be there in the present, like we were talking about earlier, right? Uh, very yep. important. And I think the biggest part of the communication is the listening, talking to them and telling them what you want to do. Isn't you need to listen and more than just with your ears too. Yeah. you know, um, you know, when my wife is talking to me, I'm listening to the words, but I'm sometimes forgetting to listen to the meaning. Like, no, 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 listen, she misses me. That <laughs> that's a miracle. I need to make sure I grab onto that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. that doesn't happen all the time. Most of the time I just tick people off. So it's when, <laughs> when that happens, I need to grab on to that. Uh, yeah. We, the communication, I think, is what do you do, though, Andy? What, how, how have you handled that? Uh, well, I'll be honest. Uh, the, the big thing that for me, because my, my wife is very understanding. She knows that, you know, if I get phone calls, if I, I get those things uh, that, that I'm, I have to answer, you know, a lot of times I'll let them leave a message then I'll listen to the message. Is it important? Is it something that I got to get right back with them? Uh, or can I let it slide till tomorrow? Uh, so, so I try to manage that. Um, but if I'm going to be out, like, let's say, and I'm a big, uh, big believer in this. If you go on leave, you're on leave. Um, yes. You know, leave a contact number for somebody that's not on leave. Uh, that way they can contact that person. Uh, and, and what I tell, tell Marines is, you know, the, the big green machine called the Marine Corps is going to keep on rolling, whether we're here or not. Uh, yep. You know, it, it, whether you got out at four, whether you, you're retiring, uh, whatever the case is, as soon as you're gone, the next person's there to take over. Um, yep. You know, we're our own worst enemy with that because we train specifically for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you cross train everything. You know, it, but it, it is difficult, right? but you have to carve out that time. You have to remember that that work is not forever, but your family should be. Uh, yeah. And and too often do we as Marines and, and military in general, uh, we get wrapped around the job and it becomes everything for us. And, and we, we uh, uh, associate our life with being a Marine. Like I, I, I yeah. am that. Which I get it, we are, you know, once spring always, right. spring, but but you have to take that step back. You have to go and uh, just spend that quality time with the family. Carve that out and make sure that you have that. Um, just to and, get grounded again, if anything. Just absolutely. To, 
you know, otherwise you burn yourself out way too easy. Yep. Yeah. And that happens fairly regularly oh, yeah. in the Marine Corps. And I'm sure all the other services as well. That people, yep. they, they uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, never take a break. Uh, it's not, not a good thing. That's, that's when people get, get hurt. Uh, people get too stressed out. Uh, those types of things uh, need to go, you know, and, and in the military, we, we don't say, you know, we're too proud to go get help. Uh, right. But I will tell you, uh, chaplains are a fantastic resource. Uh, you know, they're, they're not always going to talk to you about, you know, uh, religion, uh, but they're there as counselors. Um, yep. which is fantastic. Obviously you can go to medical They they have new programs now called, uh, it's MFLAC. Uh, I cannot remember what that stands for, but it's basically counselors, uh, that the Marine Corps hires, uh, that, that military members can go to and get counseling, which is fantastic. Not just the military member, but also their families can go in as well. Nice. So it, the Marine Corps and, and the military in general has I mean, incredible strides when it comes to mental health in the military. And that is yeah. a huge, huge thing for the military. Because I think in the old days, the only way we handled it was just crawling inside of a bottle. Yeah. And, yeah, you know? absolutely. You'd, you'd, you'd stress yourself out to the point where that was the only way you could sleep, it seemed like, you know. Right. Oh, not the best way. Please don't follow that. That's not a good way to do it. That's right. Uh, Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next question here. Um, <clears throat> how do you stay positive and motivated when it seems you are all alone on a road of doing the right thing? That's a that's a pretty crazy question wow. there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, how do you stay positive and motivated when it seems like you're the only one on a lonely road doing the right thing? Man, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And it's, I think everybody's going to have a different answer to that. For me, it was laughter. Okay. Yeah. It's always been laughter. If I can start laughing about something, generally other people will start laughing too. And then the ridiculousness of the situation, even when it's not a ridiculous situation, it's just start, it, it feels, it feels easier. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd agree with that. You know, but I think I think it's everybody's going to be different, and maybe maybe you just need to, you know, again communication. Everybody's probably feeling the same way. Oh yeah. You know, I yeah yeah yeah. Generally, if the unit is stressed out, everybody's feeling it. Absolutely. You know, and you're. I can't speak for all units in all situations, but there's probably a very easy answer something that you're all missing because you're too close to the trees to see the forest yeah you know and if if it's just maybe it's just cracking a joke about it and it's like yeah okay this is a little bit silly now but yeah, yeah how do you how do you handle that when you're the only one seemingly doing the right thing well for me i i gotta remind myself because Maybe in the moment and where you're at specifically, you may feel like you're the only one doing the right thing. But you got to remember, there is somebody else out there, you know, and, and you got to know who are those those go to individuals, who are those motivators, who are the, the ones that have the positive attitude all the time. You got to seek those guys out. You know, uh, it's yeah. not always going to be in your uh, your little world, your unit or whatever you got. I mean, that's that's why I'm a 
go out and visit people, go out and make friends. And, and, uh, it could be somebody in the military or not in the military, but if there's somebody that has a positive attitude, they're motivated about things, uh, that will re-energize you to, uh, push forward and continue to do the right thing. Uh, you know, uh, those that, uh, are what I consider the turd, you know, some of the most natural born leaders that somehow they can get people to have a negative outlook much quicker than a positive outlook sometimes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you got to You got to know who those individuals are. Steer clear of that. Go find the motivators and the, the ones that are positive about everything and, and surround yourself with that. Yep. And then just try to emulate what they do. Oh, absolutely. So you can be the next positive one. Absolutely. That's a good question. That was a good question. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. All right. Well, um, we're getting close to time. We're right now at about an hour and uh, almost 25 minutes. Uh, Holy and, uh, cow, that is, went fast. It went by way too fast. Uh, it's amazing how fast things are uh, happening here. Uh, but hey, Dave, I want to say thank you. You have been a fantastic guest. Uh, I've had so much fun uh, uh, reminiscing, listening to you tell your story. Um, all the good, the bad. Uh, you know, the funny stories, everything that you've uh, brought to the table here. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for being uh, groundbreaking uh, and and coming in and doing being my very first guest uh, on the podcast. So, you know, you will always be number one. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you. I am truly honored. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, man. And wow. thank you for this wonderful, and, and I mean this in deadly seriousness, this is a wonderful thing you're doing. Well, Please keep you. it up. This is fantastic. Absolutely. We need this. We need this. Well, I'm, I've, uh, I've already got my next, next couple of guests lined up, uh, ready to go. So um, uh, I'll, I'll start doing those interviews uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll see if they end up being two episodes long as well. But you know, if they are, no problem. We'll just do two episodes for each one and, and we'll just keep on pushing. Uh, I think Excellent. it worked, worked out well this time and I think it'll work out well in the future as well. Yes, yes. All right. Well, thank uh, you this, so much, Andy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you again for doing it. I, I truly appreciate it. So this, this brings us to the conclusion here. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us, having this conversation. Uh, to all the listeners out there, if you have questions, anything of that nature, you can hit me up on Facebook. Uh, if you're friends with me, you can send me uh, an, an email. Uh, I, I think my email address is the lost art with Andrew Cox at gmail.com. Uh, again, that's the lost art with Andrew Cox at gmail.com, all spelled out. Uh, all right. So if you have questions, uh, comments, anything like that, go ahead and send them in. I'd be uh, excited to hear what you have to say. Uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook as well. Um, all right. With that, that draws it to a conclusion. And uh, we will wrap it up and we'll see you on the next trip. Uh, Dave, you got anything to say before we uh, cut out? Nope. Stay <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> all right. Uh, stay motivated and change your socks. Have a great day.